2: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy.
3: Let's bring in Congressman Jim Jordan for his regular Monday chat, as he always is kind enough to give us. Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bob.
2: Uh, How are you doing?
3: I'm great, uh, thank you. Do what you said you would do. That's the name of your book. I, I just wanted <laughs> to I wanted to plug that because I'm sitting here. Yeah, well, I mean, but it's for two purposes: one for the for the plug, but two because it applies here. I am blown away that we are about to repeat what happened in August. He, let, yeah, He, being scary. Joe Biden, said he would protect Americans. He said that he would look out for Americans. He said he would follow the Constitution and the oath that he took. He abandoned hundreds of Americans yeah. in Afghanistan on direct command uh, in, in one of the most ridiculously sloppy, misguided uh, evacuations or withdrawals uh, from a war zone in, in American history. Hundreds of them are still hiding and dodging the Taliban right now in Afghanistan. And now... we're going to do it all over again. Congressman, they're they're saying we we, we may be sending troops to kind of deter the Russians from from a a minor incursion into Ukraine. So 40,000 American civilians, you're on your own. We can't evacuate you. Try to find some commercial flights and get out of there. It's it's happening all over again, Congressman.
2: No, and we've talked about this, Bob. It just shows what, what happens when you have, uh, weakness uh, in the Oval Office when you have um, no plan. But, uh, you know, look, and it wasn't just we left Americans behind. We left billions of dollars of equipment and weapons behind in Afghanistan. And most importantly, 13 Americans gave their lives for our country, one of them from the 4th District of Ohio, from Northeast Ohio, um, so and here we go again. This is this this is the same president who told us he had a plan of, uh, for for dealing with the, the virus. This is the same president who said we'll never impose a vaccine mandate. Uh, I mean, this is the same president who's told us time and time again. One thing it turned out not to be accurate. Um, and here we go again. And as you as you point out, this is this is about American lives at stake. But it, it just underscores what we've talked about so much that that when you when you don't have strength coming from the president of the United States and from the administration uh, bad people do bad things and and bad things happen around the world and that's that's what we're seeing firsthand unfortunately
3: i was running down before you came on in my opening monologue i was running down just some of the uh, american enemies who who have to be watching this so closely and are rubbing their hands together like a cartoon villain, but they're real villains. Yeah. When you project this kind of weakness on the world stage when dealing with Putin, how does that make Xi Jinping feel? How does that make the Ayatollah in Iran feel, the Ayatollah Khamenei? How does that make uh, Kim Jong-un feel? I mean, there are American enemies, all and enemies of our allies, all over the place, watching to see whether we allow one yeah. of our allied nations be invaded by Vladimir Putin because they're going to take their their from that aren't they
2: well yeah I think the bad guys are salivating at the potential to do bad things things that they want to do to come after us and our allies Mm -hmm. and then our allies Think about if you're in President Zelensky's shoes. Remember, it was just it was just a little over two years ago the Democrats were impeaching President Trump based on a phone call he had with President Zelensky. The same President Zelensky who uh, thought the phone call was great. The same President Zelensky who was appreciative of the things the Trump administration did for Ukraine, who understood this new this new guy coming in. President Zelensky was a guy actually reformer doing things right. Think about what he feels like today, uh, wh- wh- and how how he's been treated by the Biden administration. So it's it, yeah, it's, it's how this. These actions embolden the bad guys around the world, but also what it means to our allies. What are they? They're, they're questioning. They're like, "What's going on? What, what do we really take the Biden administration at their word in the future?" I mean, that, that is again, that, that is why this is so critically uh, important and so dangerous as well.
3: You know, you, you mentioned the name Trump, and I, I have to bring it up for the purpose of comparison here. You know, when Barack Obama drew a red line uh, in the sand in uh, Syria uh, back when yeah. he was president, and they crossed it, he did nothing. Uh, when Bar- I mean, Barack Obama allowed the annexation of Crimea by the Russians and did nothing. When President Trump was in when it was in office, Vladimir Putin made no such moves. Uh, Xi Jinping caved in on the on the um, uh, uh, trade imbalance. Uh, you know, yeah. Kim Jong Un stopped. Testing- Long-range missiles. When we had a strong president in office, and they knew this is a guy not to be trifled with because he'll drop a Moab on us, which is something that he did, by the way. Yep. Um, you know, sure and he, and he, took out, he took out one of the world's uh, you know, uh, 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 worst Islamic terrorists. I mean, they saw what would happen if they messed around in his watch. And I I just hope the rest of the nation is paying attention. Look at the actions of our, our strongest and most dangerous enemies when a Democrat is in office, like Barack Obama, projecting weakness, when Joe Biden is there, compared to when we have a strong leader in office. Because it matters to American lives, doesn't it?
2: It sure does, and the country is noticing. I always say there's a reason that Joe Biden's approval rating is at 33 percent, because this guy has done nothing right. Everyone sees it. In fact, I would say his approval rating is even lower because I saw a poll last week that said only 28 percent of the country wants him to run for reelection. That's the real approval rating. So only 28 percent of the country thinks this guy is doing anything worthwhile. Um, so, yeah, the country gets it. They understand that this weakness is not good for our allies. It's not good for the world. Most importantly, it's not good for the American people. And um, I think I think it's I think it's coming through loud and clear.
3: Now, having said all of that, Congressman, there is always a debate in this country about, about whether or not we want to commit American blood to an international uh, crisis that may or may not directly impact Americans here at home—not those who are living overseas or working there, but 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 the homeland. In other words, there are a lot of people who yeah. are saying we don't belong over there don't send any troops over there it's not our fight uh as, a, as an old saying goes this is not our circus those are not our monkeys we don't need to deal with that we shouldn't put american americans in harm's way what is your feeling on that argument should we consider sending troops over there to stop putin in order to stop all of the other shenanigans you and i just discussed
2: yeah i think i think you got to be real careful about ever sending troops there i i, I agree with what, what you just said uh, bob and how you how you explained it um I, I think we got to look someone said yesterday I think it was even uh, I think it was even uh, uh Chuck Todd said that um mm-hmm. that you that you Europe should care as more, uh, more about Europe than America does you know that, like this is, this is this is we we need to keep that in mind so um I yeah, I think that is that is something that we got to be really careful about putting troops over there so um uh, uh the the, the uh, I I think even like the left is is is, is these the, the concern there, so um, we'll see how this. What, what, what out, if what I'm if wondering.
3: what if we do issue sanctions? Though uh, I apologize for stepping over there. What if we do issue sanctions though, uh, of an economic nature, and they don't deter Putin from going and uh, and you know ten thousand or twenty thousand well, or whatever Russian troops go into go into Ukraine. So the sanctions didn't work. I guess we could strengthen them even more, but eventually. I mean, are we, are we ever going to be, be, be at a point where we say, look, we told you not to do it, and you did it, and now here we come?
2: Well, I, don't, I mean, look, I, I would go back to this. We sort of blew that chance, didn't we? I mean, th- this is why the Nord Stream pipeline was so, so important, that whole issue, and then why mm-hmm. we want to be energy independent. I mean, th- this was, you know, decisions you make ahead of time have consequences, have implications, and we're seeing that play out. It's Again, it goes back to what we started with. When, you, when you're that weak, that soon, and you send the wrong message, then you get yourself in this position. If we would have done things the right way, the way Trump was doing it and, and stood up to Russia early on in this administration, um, we wouldn't be in this situation. Th- that's the takeaway here. So we'll have to we'll have to see. But uh, again, I think the American people, are, I, I, I think they're real reluctant, as am I, to be talking about putting troops uh, in in uh, in Ukraine.
3: I am too, but I am also very reluctant to allow Vladimir Putin to do whatever he wants because that triggers the actions of a whole lot of bad actors. Yep. So it's, a, it's yep. a balancing act here. No question about it. Uh, Congressman, uh, you mentioned about making decisions. That leads me into the Voting Rights Act, uh, which we know is misnamed or mischaracterized. It's a voting. We already have voting rights. It's a voting laws yep. act that sure will change the voting rules. That's essentially all, all it was. Uh, Mansion and Cinema held the line uh, at the end of last week. I was very, very happy and very, very impressed about that. Uh, as a result, by the way, the uh, Arizona Democrats have sanctioned—I'm sorry, censured—rather, uh, Kirsten Cinema. Uh, I don't think that's happening in West Virginia. But my question to you is: Is it dead now? uh, is this, is this move to abolish the filibuster or at least to change it and to, and to uh, mm-hmm. push through this federalization of the vote? Is that dead now? Or are the Democrats still going to have to try something? Cause I don't see them accepting the inevitable, uh, red wave yeah. in November. Well, I sure hope
2: it is. And I, and I, you know, like you said, God bless the, the, the two senators who did what they said they would do, uh, and told, you know, follow what they told their constituents they were going to do if they, if they were in office. So, uh, god bless them it seems to be in big trouble now let's hope it stays that way but you're right the democrats again we, we, what else are they going to do i mean they, they got nothing else to talk about so they're going to make up this issue that somehow in georgia when you require people to show an id to vote that somehow that's that's disenfranchising What that makes no sense american people get it it makes no sense so uh, they're going to they're going to keep focusing on on it but i got to think – got to think we're in a good position on that bill. What's starting to worry me now is they want to spend more money. I mean we've got billions and billions of dollars out there that have been been allocated uh, to help us deal with COVID, and a bunch of it hasn't been spent. A lot of it hasn't been spent, yet they're talking in the Senate, and and Democrats are talking about allocating and and appropriating a bunch more uh, money and exacerbating the already 40-year high inflation problem we have.
3: Congressman Jim Jordan is my guest. Two more quick ones, Congressman. I know I've only got you for three more minutes. Um, it's National School Choice Week. I found out that out this yep. morning, strangely enough, because I'm very very much a proponent of school choice, but I didn't realize it was this week. What is being done at the congressional level, if, if anything, or to your knowledge at the state level in Ohio, to get kids out of woke public schools and into private settings that focus on education without bankrupting parents in the process? Yeah.
2: Well, at, at the state level, when, you know, education at the state uh, yeah. you know, largely a state issue, which is where we want to keep it. Um, the leadership in the, in the general assembly is doing good work. I mean, Matt Huffman president of Senate is, is a strong proponent of school choice and every year in the budget process, he is increasing the, uh, the, the, the school choice, uh, opportunities for kids in our public schools, which is a, which is a great thing. So, uh, we need to keep doing that. I've, I've said, I've said this in interviews on, on TV that, um, don't vote for any candidate unless they're for allowing moms or dads to send their kids to the school that they, that they think that they're going to get the best education. I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. Make sure who you're voting for is someone who believes in empowering parents, empowering families, uh, so that their kids can get the right kind of education, and that that is, I think, just fundamental.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and you're right, of course, um, education is a state-level thing, but there are federal funds that go to various states for various things. Is there anything that the the Congress can do in terms of oh, funding yeah. uh, in order to try to facilitate what we're talking about at the state uh, legislative level? Great, great
2: question. We should say, if you're one of these schools... Teaching critical race theory, you're not going to get federal grant dollars. If you're a school district that's, that, that has, has a graduation rate so low, we're not going to give you uh, – unless you offer parents an opportunity to get their kids to a better school, we're not going to give you money. Uh, we should just say you get no federal funds unless you, you're, you're, you're a district that's actually given parents a choice. Um, all those things we can look at, and we should, because one thing I've learned is there is always the appropriation bills always get passed. Funding the government always happens. And that's the bill where you can say, all right, these funds are going to go out. They better go out for the right reason.
3: Last one, Congressman, because I know you've got to go. The bad guys are out there shooting cops like it's free. Uh, you saw what happened with the rookie in New York. Now, just uh, over the weekend, uh, uh, an officer shot in a traffic stop oh, yeah. in Texas. It's it's all over the country, this extraordinary hike, or the spike, rather, in violent crime. Um there was not a single mention of it, to my understanding, at the press conference. Biden spoke for two hours. Not one person asked him a question about the rise in violent crime in America under his watch and the soft-on crime policies uh, and the abolition of police uh, uh, you know, calls that have been made by his yeah. party. Why is that?
2: Well, I think what also is interesting is I don't think there was one question about the situation on our border. And I think that in some ways you can say, like, you know, when you, when you don't enforce your border, and you let criminals, uh, and then, and also in the bigger urban areas, you're letting criminals just out on bail and not, not, not keeping country. That is, there's sort of, there's sort of two issues that are kind of linked. And, um, um, yeah, it's a problem, but I, you know, when you defund the police, you shouldn't be surprised when you get more crime. When you don't have bail, you shouldn't be surprised when you get more crime. When you spend a summer like the Democrats did in 2020, uh, calling rioters and looters, uh, peaceful protesters, you probably shouldn't be surprised when you have more crime. And that's the situation we're in, and it's not going to change until the leaders um, actually are, aren't, aren't left-wing Democrats who, who advocate all this crazy, crazy policies that have given us the situation we're now find ourselves
3: in. That's, that's very well said. That is exactly what I was kind of uh, hinting at as well. Congressman Jordan, thank you so much for the time this morning. As always, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Bob. Take care. Jim Jordan is the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. He should be the chair of that committee uh, at this time next year.
2: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.
1: This is Jerry Boyer for townhall.com. Recently, the New York Times somewhat right-of-center columnist David Brooks wrote an important column about how America is, quote, coming apart at the seams, and he shares some compelling data. Our driving rates have fallen in the past two years, but traffic fatalities have risen significantly. We're becoming more reckless. Abuse towards workers in retail, healthcare, and airline industry has also spiked. Addiction and overdose rates have spiked as well. Social cohesion is being strained to what we pray is not the breaking point. Brooks admits that he can't explain why this is happening, but I think he's asking the wrong question. Conservatism, grounded in Christianity, knows that we don't have to explain why societies disintegrate. We have to explain why they ever held together in the first place. Human nature is deeply flawed. The war of all against all is our natural state. Western civilization, especially American civilization, is a miraculous but fragile exception to that human history. Our only real hope is to recapture that worldview and repair the seams. I'm Jerry
0: Boyer. The Pepperdine School of Public Policy, America's unique graduate program for leaders. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu